that during a battle with Juggernaut, Cyclops is like distracted with these visions of Jean. And um, <laughs> did you see the one where it was like the black smoke and the fire? I was like, look at Jean at hell. It was like the devil. <laughs> That's all it was. And then he passes out and wakes up and kisses Emma because he thought she was Jean. <laughs> and, like, says it, Jean. It was like, wow. This was like... Emma tells Scott that she is like, you know, you having a hard time with Jean? I can, like, erase all the memories from your mind. And he says, so okay. Crazy. He was like, yeah. I, like, I was like, what? <laughs> he says, sure. So, um... <laughs> I was cracking my neck child. I was like, well, yeah, oh. It's there. We got to stretch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, like everyone always says it to me. They're like, you know, you got to stretch. I'm just like, I don't know. I don't have the patience for it. I don't you got it. You got to now. <laughs> no, seriously, because it's crazy. But hello, everybody. Welcome back to another relaunch. I am the third smartest man in the world. Actually, I don't know if he's still the third smartest man in the world. Uh, but Mr. Terrific. Oh, okay, and I am Dr. Light. That is Kimio Hoshi, people, you know. Yes, to clarify that, because there's two, and one of them is not oh. a good man. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, how are you? Happy I'm holidays? Doing, happy holidays, yes, I'm doing well. I'm feeling very festive, and not necessarily in the Christmas spirit or the holiday spirit, but just like in the good mood spirit, like a merry, jolly, happy type of mode so that's where i'm at it doesn't actually feel like christmas although it did finally start getting cold here you see and it like got cold cold i was outside i said oh i need on my big coat oh i don't really relate to that i haven't worn a big coat in a while but <laughs> i will say that i also feel you on the like you know just like a positive spirit i yeah. won't necessarily say it's like you know christmas spirit per se mm-hmm. you know um but i am in a very like very happy mood I'm glad, you know, breaks from work and all that kind of stuff is nice, so okay. it's nice. It's always a good time. I hope everyone is doing that and having a little, maybe like hot cocoa. Mm, that's nice. And reading some comics. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, we don't have really have any updates this week. Things are kind of slowing down. I know out here, it's like production break, basically. Like, all the, everybody's on a break. Everybody um, stopped working on December twenty like first. Okay, <laughs> it was yeah, like, it's a year. <laughs> we'll see you next year, guys. Don't talk to me. Exactly, um, but I did want to chat a little bit about something. Ooh, so okay. you know, in comics recently, in one of our relaunch sections, we had did a little bit of chatting about you know DC having these temple characters, right? And then we wondered if Marvel had any, you know. Um, and by temple characters, it's like the main league at the at, at DC. It's the seven. And pretty much I've noticed that if you aren't like directly or only like a few degrees away from those main temple seven, you aren't really going to be included in something. And, you know, this week I said I was Dr. Light. That's uh, Kimio Hoshi. And like 
I really like her character, but she hasn't really been on a lot of books. She's mostly just been featured in like some Justice League stuff, some Justice League International uh, stuff. She was only in that for a little bit. Um, and then she's like popped in and out of other books, just helping some superheroes or whatever. But like, she doesn't really have a big connection to like the main seven. She's friends with them. And she was inspired to be a superhero from Supergirl. Like after she died in the uh, in Infinite Crisis, she was like, oh, you know, that's my inspiration for me to go out and do help people so that uh, her sacrifice isn't in vain. But like she's still not super close to like <laughs> <laughs> she don't got no friends for her. <laughs> right like like <laughs> like they cool or whatever but like she's not her brand anyway isn't directly tied to the super brand or the wonder brand or the bat family or whatever so it's she's like not really included do you think that there should be some kind of like corner for these type of characters and by them i mean like you know fire and ice or booster gold or um you know hawk and dove these characters who like aren't really directly connected to anybody anybody Um, you know it's interesting i was tweeting something about that the other day and just how dc has a lot of characters who you could do a lot with the fire knights the hawk and doves but you never see them because again they're not really attached to those tempo characters but i've noticed a lot that dc doesn't really utilize teams outside of like a titans justice league jsa maybe a legion every now and again <clears throat> and i feel like if they did you know if you brought back a, like infinity inc or we brought back out you know even the outsiders are kind of always attached to batman and those characters who navigate in his world but it's like if you branch that out and you add some of the other folks in there could you give them more of an opportunity to do that i know marvel does a lot but they don't really use them and i think that's something that they should do because it Mm -hmm. would be nice to see that and i feel like dc characters are different from marvel that where you can get a lot of random different ones and put them together in a team and it kind of just works whereas i think when you think of marvel books you see maybe like a spider woman with a i don't know Who's someone she doesn't know? Yesterday, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> really, any uh, X-Men character? Her and Storm? I guess they know yeah, each other. No, I don't know. You know, like, uh, just well, anyone who, you know, she, like, uh, oh, let's say she's hanging out with Surge. Oh. Okay, you gotta get really crazy and out there with it. You know, you see, like, a Spider-Woman and a Surge teaming up, and they're like, oh, we're gonna do this, and you're kind of just like, whoa, this is weird. Why they get there? Where they get together? Whereas opposed, if I put Nuya and Connor Hawk and Blue Beetle on page together, I'm like, that's hot. And it just makes sense. Mm. But I feel like that just is, it speaks to the different companies, because, like, DC does have more, like, random crisis that happened every now and then so like you could truly just <laughs> put anybody together <laughs> and it kind of just works so you're kind of used to seeing those mm-hmm. characters just be together and work together as a team whereas like marvel never it is like they need to actually explain <laughs> why any of them are around each other um but i just i don't know i found it interesting that these characters who aren't directly like their brand isn't directly tied to one of the seven, like they don't really have a lane for them. I also think some of it falls into the aspect <laughs> of like 
a lot of the DC characters live in fictional universes. So it's again, Marvel is very lived in. Characters kind of go from state to state. You can see anybody you run into them. If my characters are Hawking Dove and they're only based in DC, how am I going to get them to team up with Superman who never leaves Metropolis? Or how do I get them involved in like a Batman event to kind of help boost the sales of their book? when I know they're never going to interact with him. And so I think that's kind of one thing that hinders it because you like to be in those fictional places. You want to see the Amazons on Themyscira. You want to see the Bat family in Gotham in some type of way. You know, Superman folks are going to be in Metropolis. And once a lot of these other heroes are from the real places. Mm. Mm. I wonder, do they have to then just move? Do the characters need to be in these fictional places? Once you move them, you just attach them to that character anyway. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, they're not really their own yeah, Who knows? <laughs> but I also think, you know, some characters, they can find like their little niches while you do have your tempo characters. I think you have something like the JSA, which is a big team, and you kind of know a bunch of characters who are going to be on the JSA and you want them to do little things, like a Mr. Terrific. He can have the terrifics and it still exists. Again, even Batman and the Outsiders, you kind of move that away from him. You give it to somebody else. You give it to Jason Todd again. Well, I mean, no, he had the outlaw, excuse me. Um, you give mm-hmm. it back to Black Lightning. And then you even take him out and maybe you go to DC with him. And that's how you add a hawk and dove in there. Or you go wherever Fire and Ice live and you bring them in that way. But they just have to continue to bring back those other teams and like make those more uh, viable properties. Because obviously, even Justice League. You can do three Justice League books again. You got, you know, one, Unlimited, and Infinity. They like that word these days. Titans West. I, I figured like, you know... The characters, the magic characters have a lane. They'll always have uh, Justice League Dark, right? But like yeah. the other characters who aren't in that, I feel like they should just, maybe they should have Justice League Unlimited or Justice League Infinite or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they need to have like some kind of kind of corner for themselves since they aren't attached to directly to those temple characters. And like, I get it. We're not in the 80s anymore where you can give all these random characters books and hope that they sell or and watch them sell. I, I, I get that we kind of can't really do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like, you know, the Vixens and the Doctor Lights, they like need to have a lane. And I think like just giving them a, a rotating book where you can kind of have them have arcs, maybe they cross over. Or just sitting them on missions, kind of like the Justice League Unlimited cartoon or something like that, where we see them out and about. But I think they need to have something. Mm-hmm. I agree. I would like to see a lot more of the characters utilized, and just or even to just be able to live in their world. We talked a lot about Blue Beetle before on various episodes and how he could be a, like a much bigger character. He's mm-hmm. not in any of those cities, but he still thrives, and like that could be something that's really cool. You have a Connor Hawk who could do whatever and kind of carry on the mythos you could still give people a lot of those feels i like them mm-hmm. well connor's connected to green arrow like he's fine yeah <laughs> <laughs> but he should still be in more things <laughs> i feel you on that i see i see where you're going um but yeah 
All right, well, let's go ahead and take a break. We probably should have more updates soon, as we've heard before. You know, um, DC is having a little bit of shakeup over there, and allegedly they're going to be coming out with some kind of announcement that's going to happen. That um, James Gunn or some they reported. I, I should have probably clicked the link and actually read the article to see what it said. But it basically said that James Gunn was talking to Jim Lee, and they're going to make sure that the comics and the movies have synergy. Yes, I did read that. I read the article, and he said that that he was working with Jim so they could have a. They making me mad already. I don't. It's, like it. it's not looking great so far. No, I, I mean, and you know, don't get me wrong. Sometimes some synergy can work, but for the most part. It sh- and it shouldn't even be a thing where it's like my stories and my comics are matching what's on the movie screens. No, it should kind of be like, oh, yeah, we make it Hawkman black. Cool. But like if you're doing a bl- like if you're doing a Black Adam movie, I don't want Black Adam in all of my comics. I'm sorry. No, no. But I understand maybe maybe there's maybe he's thinking more of like, you know, there'll be more synergy. Movies come out. The comics will be there, too. And you can kind of see about stuff. James I don't know. And the character sees like his synergy means I got Peacemaker and Lobo. I don't don't make me. <laughs> Let's go ahead and take that break. What? About the patch? Uh Uh-uh. He just said everybody look gay. (laughs) 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 He said all the characters look gay because none of them look masculine anymore. Like, everybody looks gay. And, like, he was like, which is weird because, like, like, more feminine people don't fight. And, like, he was like, characters don't look like they fight. Has he seen some of his character designs? That's what we were like. Do you remember the stuff you drew? But sometimes people just need to be quiet. <laughs> like, <laughs> like think, think to yourself for a little bit first before you talk. This is why. Anyway, hello everyone, and welcome back to the comic section of the show, which is always a good time and never a dull place. Um. This week was a nice little week of books that we had come out. Um, Dark Web is still going in full force for those who are interested in Maddie and Spider-Man's clone called The Havoc in New York. It had a few tie-ins drop. Uh, Miss Marvel number one, there was a Black Cat and Mary Jane tie-in. And I believe there was the Gold Goblin, which is like supposed to be one of the Osborns, Harry or Norman, as a good guy. So... If you want to check that out, <laughs> look at it. <laughs> it was the way you like physically. <laughs> like, wow. Um, but yeah, that's something that's happening. It's so interesting because I had to delve into the Spider-Man fandom a little bit to get that. And it's something that I never recommend to people because this is a very bad place. But the Black Cat and Mary Jane was so they, interesting. They do embarrass me. They embarrass me. You know, I like, <laughs> I like Spider-Man. <laughs> it is the fandom nasty. can be a lot. They were like going off on Mary Jane. They're like, oh, I don't like this. Why isn't she with Peter? <laughs> well, she should be with Peter. <laughs> and they like recently gave her powers. Yeah, and that's what they were mad about too. They were like, oh, I don't like this because I guess in one of the um, 
Mary Jane, I mean, Mary Jane was talking to Black Cat about the powers. And so Black Cat was asking her, do you know, does he know? And Mary Jane's dating some guy named Paul now. So she's like, yeah, Paul knows. And oh. Black Cat's like, you know, I'm not talking about Paul. Does he <laughs> and Mary Jane's like, no, he doesn't know. And I saw somebody tweeting about it. They was like, I don't like this. Mary Jane keeping secrets. <laughs> this is oh, like... okay. See, see, this is what I mean. <laughs> They're doing too much. <laughs> like, that's a part of the story. Let her get there. <laughs> like, no, she'd be sitting at home waiting for her man. But I digress if you're into that. Also, there was a uh, Avengers Infinity comic that came out, and I read it this week. It was actually a She-Hulk one, a little Christmas special about her and, like, some villain that oh, she fine. beats on a plane. <laughs> And the lady's like, plane keeps getting delayed because of the snowstorm. They got to turn back around, and then the woman goes crazy. So instead of fighting her, She-Hulk kind of just talks her down, which I thought was really cute, especially when you think about what's going on with the, in her book and her and Titania becoming friends. And I was like, are they kind of slowly but surely making, like, all of She-Hulk's strong women, girls that she fights, like, they're going to be to her little girl fight club in her book? Because that would be kind of cute to me, and I'm here for it. I think so. I think she, it seems like they're kind of shifting her or really mm-hmm. establishing that she's not like a superhero in that mm-hmm. sense, you know, like she's not out there doing all those superhero feats and all that kind of stuff. Like she's very she talk people down. She's, <laughs> yeah. she's got her homegirls like they might fight on occasion, but like they're going to hang out, which is cool. Um, and then even further back, I went into that one and there was another little story about Ironheart and Wasp, Nadia. So I think mm. if people like, and it was like four issues of them, they got roped into some mission with the Avengers and it was like She-Hulk, Thor, Captain America. So it was like big names. They was doing it. I was like, oh, shout out to them for that. Okay. But check those out and getting into the main books of the week. The first one is Dark Crisis number seven. We've come to the end of this big event that happened and that comes from Joshua Williamson and Daniel St. Perry. And I won't lie, I tapped out of Dark Crisis very early on. I did come back and peruse this issue though. Okay. This has well, some like, other art too. It was also by because like some of the end pages were different than Daniel Semperi stuff. Um, there was also Jack Herbert, uh, Giuseppe Comicoli, Cam Smith, and Rafa Sandoval did some stuff in there too. I really like Rafa. He's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, I tapped back into this because I wanted to see how it ended. I like read the first like four or five issues, and then I was like, I don't really know what's going on. I'm <laughs> out. <laughs> Which is wild because in the beginning I was really into it and, um, you know, I will say that I see the vision. Like I understood where the event was kind of coming from with like the darkness and pariah. But I will say overall, I think that because there was so much like um, high action and stuff like that, like it felt like having this come out monthly we felt like, oh my gosh, will we get to the point? <laughs> because yeah. um, you're in the middle of a fight and then it would end and go to the next issue or, um, you know, the big battle come at the end of the issue and it's like, all right, well, what's what's happening next? And we have to wait for a whole, another month. And then when it when it comes back out, you kind of have to like get yourself back into the mind's field of like, we're in the middle of a war, like a multiversal big <laughs> thing that's going to end the, the universe. Um, so the pacing was a little wild to me for overall. Also, like, um, some of the ways that the, not the villains per se, but like some of the situations that the Justice League in particular found themselves in and the way they got out of them were a little, like, 
too much where I had to like extend my like belief because mm. the Justice League died, right? But they were actually mm-hmm. all like being in their own different worlds because they were the pariah was using that energy of them in their worlds crisis energy to like create a crisis to recreate the multiverse. Now they were in their own worlds. They were broken free by um, the Flash and Hal Jordan. And they got to Superman and he like basically was like, you know, this is a, I knew this place like wasn't real. I studied it this whole time. And um, it's all like in my imagination. So if I just believe really hard, <laughs> then I'll be out of it. And that's kind of what happened. He just like okay. changed it. And after they ended up like uh, fighting Pariah, he leaves and goes back to the Earth Zero. They're like, you know, we're stuck here. How are we going to get out of here? And how Jordan is like, oh, well, I followed the darkness in, um, I followed the darkness through Necron's Black Lantern. What if we followed the light through my ring? And um, uh, Barry, uh, the Flash was like, oh, and I can like use my speed force to like guide it. So they just like uh, use the speed, speed force. force. But I, I hate the Flash. They like can let them do anything. That's a problem. Yeah, it felt like it felt weird. Like they were just doing anything in this to move the plot along. And I'm all for some comic book, you know, mumbo oh, jumbo. Yeah. yeah, but like this was a little, a little too much <laughs> for me. As it usually does, with, yeah. especially when the Flash is involved. I I can even agree with that. Like there was parts of it when Doctor Light was coming out and she was doing some stuff after her little showing with the Flash. She's like, "Oh, you guys run through my light or like use my light to run." I'm like, "What are y'all talking about?" What's going on? Yeah, it was a lot. And, <laughs> I, you know, I love Dr. Light. But, like, um, in, I guess in one of the issues, she absorbed, like, the light of the multiverse. Mm-hmm. And then the Flash characters wanted to use their, like, speed force to run a map through all of the multiverse and the infinite Earths. And Dr. Light is like, you know, just follow my light and I can use that. And I'm like, this is a lot. Like, And it was crazy <laughs> is... because when she came back, so for those who didn't know, that happened in the um, Justice League is Dead Dark Army tie-in. That was Robin. The Red Canary made her first grand appearance. It was not what I was expecting <laughs> for her. <laughs> she did not serve. <laughs> she did not serve. But nonetheless, um, that all happened with Dr. Light. So like her coming back from that part and talking to Mrs. Terrific and she's like, oh, I can use my light to finish this. And they're like, oh, yeah, we've already got somebody racing towards the problem now. Like, that don't make sense to you. Yeah. Ain't you supposed to be the third smartest man in the world? Think. I don't know. She can it do it. Why to... are they running? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It didn't make sense to me. I didn't get it. <laughs> I didn't know where they needed However, to However, shout know, out to Dr. Light for getting the upgrade and a new costume. Because the new suit is hot. I'm into it. But especially like when the face mask part gets covered, they didn't really color it consistently throughout this issue. I saw some parts it was like white and blue. Some parts it was like kind of trans, like all ivory white. Um, but yeah, it was hot. I'm into it. She needs a redesign. I, mean, I need her to get it. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no. I didn't think the costume wasn't bad, but I would love her in an all-white suit. That's cool, but, like, she needs a redesign. I think it goes to, like... She's got a lot going on. It's a lot going on. I'm going to say the grandness of, like, what she can do now, what they're saying she can do, and her light being connected to the multiverse, I don't really understand it. I'm not smart that way. I'm not going to lie to you, but it just seems like she's got... Well, she originally got her powers from the Monitor during the original uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. 
um, he like shot this beam of light, which is interesting because the beam of light came from the Vega system where um, Starfire's from. He like mm. shot this beam of light over from where she was from and it like transformed her. <laughs> yes, people, if you go back and read that, she wasn't always the nicest lady. Um, I like her. <laughs> I like I like a spirit um, because her she wanted to, she's a scientist and a doctor, but not a medical doctor. She's like a doctor in astronomy. And um, she wanted to still study the light, but people were like, it's coming towards us. And she was like, I don't care. I'm going to keep studying it. They left. <laughs> it hit her. And then she got the powers and became, became Dr. Light. Yeah. She should hook up with Mr. Terrific. I like that. She needs an anchor to the the DC universe. And I think that could work for her. She um, could her join they could bring Mr. Terrific back. You know, I'm yeah. always trying to bring Mr. Terrific back. So. That would be hot. But anyway, in, in Dark Crisis 7, we see um, Nightwing has been completely taken over by the dark now. It's everyone pretty much fighting. The Justice League is back. Um, this is the big final battle. Uh, Nightwing has this fight inside of the darkness with um, Deathstroke, and they're having their tit for tat, you know, about him being a bad father. Um, Nightwing being like, you know, you could have been a better person. Um, on the outside, they realized that, or Black Adam realized that his lightning like affects the darkness somehow. I don't know what it is about his magic. So he just like screams Black Adam and that like <laughs> shazammed everybody. <laughs> so everybody became part shazam and everybody got like black and gold costumes and then they fought the darkness. Um, the multiverse ends up being recreated. Now they're the infinite earths, everything is back and they beat the darkness. And yeah, um, now at the end of it, they have some wrap ups. We see everyone kind of where we expected them to be. You know, uh, Batman's back in Gotham, Superman is back in Metropolis. Um, you know, Diana's back with the Amazons. Dr. Light is, you know, getting her powers. The DC, I'm sorry, not DC, Justice League Infinite, the like multiverse watch team, they're back out there. Everyone is kind of like being reset. And this is supposed to be the thing that like ushers in this new wave of the DC universe where everyone is kind of being super heroic and going forward. Um, but we'll see what's coming out. I mean, they say that of... once a year, I feel like. They do. <laughs> they do say this all the time. It's always, <laughs> oh, there's no more darkness. We're going to get back into being like good. But it looked like at that way, in anyway, from the Superman side, like, that part at least looks like it's gonna be pretty positive. <laughs> action, action comics, yeah. Superman, those looks like they're gonna be kind of. So having light. read this and like kind of like reread it back, you know, you are enjoying action comics. Are you gonna pick up Joshua Williamson's um, Superman? I don't think so. Um, <laughs> I've learned okay. that I don't know. I don't know if I truly am that into. Um, Williams is writing that much, but I do, he always has really great artists. And um, I forget who's drawing Superman. Oh, Campbell. Yeah. Is Campbell. Doing, yeah, so and he's great. Like, I'm a big fan of his, so. <laughs> well, I don't know. I can't keep getting suckered in with great art. That is true, because it'll only carry the story but for so long. But having read yeah. that, what would you rate Dark, uh, Dark Crisis number seven as an individual issue? And then now that you've reread everything, what would you rate it as an event as a whole? 
As an individual issue, I'd give it like a 3.5 out of 5. The art was kind of really carrying it here, but um, I did enjoy some of the action and the buildup for some of the stuff. I just didn't really like the way a lot of some of it was resolved. Um, There is is a moment in here where uh, Superman and John have this like team up punch against uh, Doomsday, which I thought was really cool. um, John like really he held down the fort like he, he, there was a whole <laughs> thing where he was he was fighting everybody. <laughs> and, um, I will give it to him, Superman. He was a really he feel he fought everybody. And mm-hmm. when it was time, he was like, you know, I bought them time. I think I'm gonna die now. Doomsday's gonna hit me. His dad appeared and stopped it. I thought that was a really cool moment. Later, they end up like flying up to Black Adam and they zoom in on his face and it's definitely The Rock's face. I'm sure people have seen that (laughs) on Twitter. (laughs) Um, But I thought that was pretty wild considering (laughs) that will not be the case going forward. Um, Oh, man. Uh, but I also did like the way that they kind of set things up later. There's an epilogue at the end where we see Amanda Waller talking to these like five lights on the screen. It's giving Young Justice the light mm-hmm. and <laughs> the light. It was yeah. very much influenced by that. <laughs> and as we see her Suicide Squad at the end, which has two peacemakers, like the main guy. There's a girl now. This is James Gunn's DC. This is James Gunn's DC. So I don't know. And overall, I would give the whole like run probably a like a six out of ten. Okay. I think a six out of ten. Okay. Yeah. It could have been better. Well, everybody, let us know what you thought about Dark Crisis as a whole. Next up is Strange Number Nine that comes from Jed McKay and Marcelo Ferreira. And, you know, I'm really sad that this book is going to kind of end soon and turn back into a Stephen book. I've tried a couple of Doctor Strange series before, and I've never been able to stick with them. I don't know what Jed McKay is doing, or maybe it's just that I like Clea a lot, but I absolutely adore this title. And I don't even think it's just Clea, because Steven's a big part of it now again, too. And so when it goes back to just him being the source of Supreme, I'm kind of going to be like, ah, eh. but if Clea's still in there, I'm still going to read it. I'm not going to lie to you. Okay. But nonetheless... That's his um, wife, though, right? Is she going to be around? Well, he cheats, so never mind. Exactly. You know how a man is. <laughs> um, <laughs> nonetheless, um... Clea has discovered that the Harvest Man is Stephen Strange. They're now working together to A, free him from the control of death and take down the uh, Blasphemy Cartel. And so they come and go running into action. Clea and Strange are going straight there. And she's doing a lot of internal narration about how he's a doctor. His whole thing is about helping people and like saving the day. She's a warlord. She's about getting what she wants and beating people's ass and killing them. So like, even as they're flying down into it, she's like, you ready to do this? And Steven's like, don't kill anybody. And she's like, excuse me? And she says, you know, I can't make any promises. But the entire issue is just, like, so action-packed. They are just, like, running through the Blasphemy Cartel's forces. They're using their magic. You have Clea's narration talking about how they're in sync and they're in love. We see some new aspects of Steven being the Harvest Man, working for death, like uh, one of the demons stabs him through the chest, and he doesn't die. He's like, I'm already dead. So, like, I guess this is something that I don't have to worry about anymore. And they just kind of keep running through. It's, like, just looks so good. They're fighting together. This is magic. Like, this is real magic. I think you'd be really into it. 
by the way. Mm-hmm. You might want to I'm just saying. Um, and so, like, as they're running through, they finally kind of make it to the end of the cartel with, like, the big boss is, and he is like, you know, I'm ready for you guys. And he pulls out his secret weapon, which is a Revenant demon monster of the century. And I feel like we were just talking about Sentry not too long ago. You were asking where he was. His dead body's right here. Well, well there we go. Okay. I think he died <laughs> in. I think he died in the Null event. King in Black. Oh, I did not read that. Because I think Danny was like taking his. Uh... Oh my gosh, she was. Uh, Jane was in the Valkyrie miniseries. Yeah. Oh, I I don't know. I guess I thought he had just been dead. <laughs> <laughs> so now we know he did, like, his soul was taken, and this is just a spirit yeah, of it. Yeah, so, like, they were using the revenants for his body, so it's like he's coming out. So the next issue is probably going to be Clea and Strange fighting the Sentry Revenant, which is sure to be good, because I'm sure against all their magic, it's a big thing. But, like, Judd is just, like, really killing it on the side. Again, the narration, like, really sells it. The way that Clea talks, the way she, she discusses her and Strange's relationship, it makes you kind of really root for them. It makes you really feel the relationship, the love that they have, or that she has for him. He say he loved her, but again, wasn't he just sleeping with Carol a few months ago? He was. <laughs> so anyways, that was that. But it was issue was like spectacular. Four out of five. The art was great. Again, the battle sequences, and it was just like page after page. It was maybe a good like 10-page spread. Of them just going okay. at it with people. And I was like, yeah, this is what I needed to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I highly <laughs> recommend that book to anybody. Go check that out. And um, last book on the list this week is the X-Men Annual Number 1 that comes from Steve Fox with art by Andrea DeVito. And this was the Mother Star story. Angelica Mother. Jones. Mother. I'm a Fire Star stan. That's a stretch. I know. I, I thought I, I, it was I, my cousin I, at most. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. She's a mother. You know, this is a potential mother. But no, like the issue was just really, really good. I, again, am a Firestar fan. I voted for her on the X-Men vote. I was supporting her. I've been very vocal about how I enjoyed the year two team. And I think this issue was just like just a really good showing for everybody involved. We have the team kind of together. They are being well, first, Firestar is getting attacked at the Green Lagoon. The Hellions are being mean to her, talking about, you know, you shouldn't be here, blah, blah, blah. You was an Avenger. Everybody's mad. Who cares? Get over it. You didn't die with us. I'm sorry. Anyways, Iceman <laughs> comes to her defense and takes her back to the treehouse where they run into the other X-Men and they're just kind of talking about all the threats that they need to go over and face. And one of them is a hospital. And the Cyclops is like, we can kind of wait for that. All right, start interrupting. She's like, no, I think if we as the X-Men are trying to show that Krakoa is like for the people and we're here, there's no better place to start than going to this hospital and like helping the humans with whatever they've got going on. So she and Cyclops go do that while the rest of the team get together and go like do all the other threats. Like there's one where they got to go to Mojo World because like he's got these zombie babies that are attacking. They have to go fight dinosaurs (laughs) somewhere. They're fighting techno plants. It was like a really good showing. I think one of the things that we think about for these teams is that again, they are out here being superheroes. And I like that we showed them being proactive about that. But I don't see that in the main book. Because they're on specific missions in the main book. Okay, don't try to don't try to lie because you like the second year two team. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so 
then we cut back to Firestar and um, Cyclops at this hospital. We see her, like, kind of going through the motions of using her powers, her radiation. She's like, oh, I can detect different signatures, but I haven't, like, done it enough so I can really pinpoint it. I see too many people. And that's something that I really loved. I feel like between this and there was a comment she made early in one of the main book issues where she talks about her powers and how they're growing and being different. And I think it's just very symbolic of her and how she's viewing her mutancy now and how she was versus when she was with the Avengers and the New Warriors where she was really just being used as kind of like a weapon to fight. She came to make the big blast. She came to go. Even Emma, when she was trying to do it, it was like, girl, you're going to learn how to kill people. Now that she's with these other mutants <laughs> and she's with this team, they're teaching her how to do it differently, how to make good things, how to use it for good, which I think is a really nice thing to see with her and her and Cyclops are kind of bonding over that and how their powers have affected them. Her, of course, having cancer, him never being able to take his visor off which was a nice little moment for them we see that whirlwind has been the villain of the story he's the one who's been like kind of stealing the Krakoan drugs from this hospital and trying to sell them on the black market so they get into a big fight i like whirlwind yeah and it was a nice call back to when they fought when she was on the new warriors and she even says that she's like i beat you up when i was a teenager what you gonna do now (laughs) <laughs> and so they have a big moment. She uses fire. She knocks him out. He tries to do some final move where he like blows everybody up, but she gets to it just in time where she's able to kind of just stop it before the rest of the team gets here. Cause Cyclops calls Gene and he's like, Oh, you got to bring whoever she's like, they're not going to get here in time, but she uses her powers in a way that she stops the bomb. She saves today, which was really cute. Gene was trying to flex throughout the issue. There was one part where they were in Mojo world and she's talking to Scott. Cause she's been talking to Scott the whole time. She's like, Oh, I don't know if you can hear me from all the way here in Mojo world. And it's like, girl, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> That's telepathy. She love a little subtle flex, but I was like, I like it for her as well. Um, and then they get there, and then when they go back to Rakoa, Firestar goes up to the Hellions, and she's like, you know what? I wasn't here. I was doing whatever I was doing because that's what I needed to do. But I'm here now. I'm here to prove it to you. I'm an X-Man. And everybody's happy, and they cheer her on. So it's like kind of what she's been saying the entire time. But... <laughs> Reiterated again. <laughs> just said one more time for the masses. But nonetheless, like it was a really good issue. I really liked that. I really liked seeing the team kind of like bond and do other things. They were funny. So the jokes were actually kind of like landing for me. Um, DeVito's art really made Firestar look good. You know, she's got a short haircut now because Jean's also on the team. You can't have too long hair redheads. But with short hair in comics, it can be a little sketchy. DeVito does this style justice. She's got like a little swoop, the bangs folded under. It's got like, an asymmetrical cut, right? Asymmetrical. It's it's hot. It's working. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, that's what I like to see. So she looked good. Really enjoyed this issue. Uh, definitely another four out of five for me. Highly recommend it. I think if you've never read a Firestar story before, I think it's going to be something really enjoyable. I think if you are a Firestar fan, it's really nice because, again, it has a lot of callbacks to things that she's done, how she was an Avenger, Marvel's Divas, New Warrior, Avenger. She's been around. She's got that girl. I'm sorry. Yeah. Do you like her permanently over here with the X-Men? Do you think this is where she should kind of stay? I like it because it's different. I feel like when she joined the Avengers, she made it known that, like, it wasn't really for her. And, like, yes. she didn't enjoy the way they operate. I think she's grown out of the New Warriors. I think this, this, this like, stretch of hers in X-Men feels right. It feels like what it is right now. Does she need to do it forever? I don't necessarily know just yet. But for right now, it's the best place to be. Especially mm-hmm. now, just having been watching Wolverine and the X-Men. And she was in some of the episodes. 
Okay, well, yeah, speaking of which, let's go ahead and switch over to the AR Club for the week and get started on talking about um, these three episodes that we watched of Wolverine and the X-Men. Uh, we watched episodes uh, 20, 21, and 22. Now, 20 was a episode that was called Breakdown, and uh, during a battle with Juggernaut, Cyclops is, like, distracted with these visions of Gene, and... Um... <laughs> Did you see the one where it was, like, the black smoke and the fire? I was like, look at Gene at hell. I was like the devil. <laughs> That's all it was. And then he passes out and wakes up and kisses Emma because he thought she was Gene. <laughs> it like says it. Gene. It was like, wow. This was wow. like crazy. She always going to be second place. What a loser. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know how they get when they talk about their white queen child. Calm down. You're meant I know. Start calling her the white loser is what she really is so um emma tells scott that she is like you know you having a hard time with gene i can like erase all the memories from your mind and he says okay he was like yeah I, like, I was like, what? he says sure so um <laughs> they go ahead and try to do that but emma is like going through all of his memories and we see a bunch of the stuff that i don't think we've ever really seen a lot of like the o5 as they've been young like this, you know, in animation and stuff like that before. Obviously in X-Men Evolution we did, but it was because everybody was young. Um, I mean, in a way where they are really showing you that this was like, like they started. Yeah. And honestly, I actually really enjoyed it. And you know, I'm usually anti-05. I think we get a lot of content with them that doesn't really work too much anymore. But here, I feel like, watching them train and kind of grow and even the way they played on it, going to get Jean. Jean and her little headband was cute. I was like, this mm -hmm. is one of the first designs that I've actually really liked and watching them, even when they get to later in the episode and they're fighting Magneto and they're like fighting together. I was like, oh, this is working for me. This is what the X-Men feels like. This is kind of what I feel like I had been missing from the last 19 episodes of the show. I was like, this team is doing it and like, quiet is this kept? It's because there was more Xavier in it. The episodes that have a lot of Xavier are kind of the hit. <laughs> I'd argue the episodes that, that go into the future are the ones that are in the hits. Um, in, because... in the future? <laughs> oh. Bishop. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like this episode. I thought it was also cool that they showed like snowy Iceman. Um, <laughs> I thought that was really cool. Um, but then the next episode, we jump actually into the future. And um, because at the end of episode 20, it's learned that Gene had transformed into the Phoenix. And that is actually what caused the explosion um, at the house that we've seen at the beginning of the season. Um, and Cyclops and Wolverine inform Professor X um, of Emma finding out that it was Gene that did it. Whole time, well, never mind. This is a spoiler. We'll get there in the next few episodes. <laughs> Xavier had known that there was going to be some explosion that happened at Genosha, so he thinks that Gene is the one who's responsible for it, so he tells the team and the X-Men that, like, they should go to Genosha, and um, while his future team tries to uncover information of Master Mold. Um, the only way <clears throat> the only way to get into the, like, the the 
building where the master mold was being held was like through this window and um they like learn of uh all this like kind of past history with a uh, bishop which i thought was kind of cool um, I really enjoyed the little comment where he talked about how Wolverine raised him. I was like, oh, that's, I was like, this is the type of absurdity I can take from this cartoon. Again, like, this is like, I will say they've done some interesting relationships we've been here. I've always gone on record to say I'm a fan of Kurt Wanda. Once they were like, oh, Wolverine raised Bishop and like taught him what, the, what it meant to be an X Man and kind of like build his morals and stuff like that. I said that works. And it also builds the story of Bishop and how he was. In the comics, he was a kid and he just wanted to be an X-Man. He looked at them as this big thing. He had the ideals of them. It's like, oh, of course he would have that because he was taught directly by one. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I'm the okay with it being that. Wolverine. That's, that's dope. Because um, it makes sense. He and that. Ex- exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we know he old. <laughs> um, but then they end up getting ran over by this Sentinel, this like Rover, um, mm-hmm. and Marrow. Ugly Marrow. <laughs> this I is again. Like y'all know I don't like Marrow. She is one of my top five most disliked Marvel characters. Oh, and God, it's just once five. again. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's like cemented. <laughs> she said right next to Emma. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, this just really proves again <laughs> why she's annoying. <laughs> she ends mad. up like developing this bond with the with rover and um they like she refused to like give him up with and i don't know that just really shows that she's annoying she been seen multiple times because she was just not a good girl and that's yeah. just all it is i don't really see it for miss marrow but uh, i did like this episode i thought the stuff with the sentinels was really kind of cool um especially when they're like fighting them I'm always go up for it anytime they go up. Bishop was playing the sentinels too. They looked really good. And he was. like I, that's another thing that I appreciate about this cartoon is what it does do for Bishop. It kind of gives him the role that they should have gave the Cyclops. But mm-hmm. they <laughs> and then they don't give him a gun. And so he is forced to use his powers. You see him blasting his energy. You see him doing it different ways. You see him taking the shots and like giving back. And I was like, we don't get to see that a lot with him. And again, he's with Xavier who's also, again, a big part of this episode. I, it just really reinforces to me that like him teaching and guiding these people, it's so essential to what the X-Men are and what they do. And he's needed. Mm-hmm. What a man. He's, he's great. I like him as a martyr. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> he can go away, but I like him when he's around. Um, I thought the I thought the way that they like animate a lot of his blast that Bishop does is really cool. Um, he Helium Powers, Powers looks really great in this. Um, I do not like that trench coat on Bishop, but I'm also not a fan of trench coats at all. Um, and they've this show itself has kind of made some interesting design choices <laughs> to say the least. Um, and then okay, episode 22 was called Aces and Eights. And this episode is Gambit arrives on Genosha because he's been contracted by Senator Kelly to steal Magneto's helmet and to, like, uh, start a war and cripple Genosha. Um, Scarlet Witch figures out that that's pretty much what he wants to do. And she's like, you know, Magneto, we need to stop him. Magneto's like, no, it's fine. He already confessed to us that he's a thief. I already know what he's going to do. Mind you, the whole time, I'm pretty sure Magneto's like, I want him to 
mm-hmm. cause this destruction so that I can retaliate and give a reason for me to retaliate. Uh, you know, chestnut checkers. Um, <laughs> whole time, Gambit is like, I got to figure out my way up out of here. And of course, what does he do but flirt with my girl, Polaris? Yeah, she and... was bad this episode. That's, it, was not good. it was not looking good for her at all. You know what? It's it's not out of character. <laughs> it was like Gambit threw her a couple corny lines, and she was like, "Oh yes, I'm about to run away with you." She had her she had her literal bag. <laughs> she did. That's my girl. I get it. <laughs> crazy. She, crazy. She, listen, she said, "I don't care if we on the run." <laughs> <laughs> It was insane. Crazy. She was on the run with her man. So I get it. Um, Lorna. <laughs> a tall man with some corny lines and you ready to run away. But um, you know, shout out to Wanda for being the big sister that she is. Because she, she was. was like, Where you at? She's like, girl, stop playing with me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lorna kind of gagged her though when she told her, um, <laughs> Oh, you trying to comfort me, you the one in love with the X-Men. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was like, it was hot. One thing about, I do appreciate about this is that they really do show that Lorna was on the side of like Magneto and that whole side of things, the House of M. House of M. House of M girl. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. What are you saying? Something about Wanda. Oh, I just like her and Lorna together. Oh, I do like that together too. I like them all together. Um, you know, I don't think they need to be blood to be sisters. I, I like the fact that you could say that Magneto just adopted Wanda and Quicksilver for a little bit before they left and became Avengers. Like, uh, I kind of think fine. in the other media, those are just going to be his kids. Honestly. Just biologically his kids? Yeah. I don't think they're going to do that. I think to add the Romani, like Magda, that'll still be in there for her. But I think for the most part, they'll always just be Magneto's kids. Mm. That's cool. I like them all together. Um, I like the fact that the sisterly bond that they show between them. Um, but again, you know, Lorna was getting ready to leave with Gambit, and then he, of course, turned on her like most men do, and he showed his true colors. She got upset and completely destroyed his boat and brought the helmet back to her. Well, shout out um, to her. She did use her powers to get her daddy helmet back, and I did enjoy that. Yeah. She may be dumb, but she's not stupid. Like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so Magneto, of course, takes this and goes after Sarah Kelly. He like uses Blink to get there. Um, shout out to Blink for being around. I don't. I never realized that her like teleportation powers. Whenever they open a portal, they like also affect the area. Like everything like bursts back. Um, mm. That's gotta be a she enter a room like <laughs> like whoa girl give whoa, me a word. relax <laughs> a lot of teleporters gotta have like some downside nightcrawler stinks she knocking everything mm-hmm. down vanisher glows so you always know where he is like no no subtlety yeah we always getting caught <laughs> <laughs> just no stealth <laughs> That's where they gotta get in and get out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought that this episode was interesting. We show Magneto like, you know, showing his machinations behind the scenes and how he's using this attack because he wants to attack Serena Kelly anyway. Um, this does show me that Krakoa really was an interesting and new thing for them to do because we've seen Magneto have his 
island of Genosha in this series. Um, in the comics, we've seen this as well, but we've never really seen that both Xavier and Magneto kind of have the islands together. And I think mm. that that's really that's interesting what brings it to Krakoa, yeah. This issue, I mean, this issue, this episode also had like a lot of really good cameos in it. Senyaka, Melikap, Scanner at the end, mm-hmm. like you said, Blink. Um, and I I think that is something that has been consistently carrying the series is those cameos. And that's always fun to see. So good for them. Yeah. I, I honestly, too, I feel like that they did what I think a lot more comic books should do as far as cameos go. And that is just reuse the characters you have instead of trying to remake new ones. You know, if you're trying to just fill some cameos and stuff, just use a bunch of the characters that have already been created Mm. as the backgrounds or whatever, instead of just making new ones. Um, I agree. Jesse Bellin is there. One day. Um, I really want Shola. <laughs> um, <laughs> what did you think of these, like, three episodes so far? Honestly, these, the honestly, like, these were probably my three favorite episodes of the entire show. Like, I thought each one was really good in its own way, consistently told the story. Xavier was in a lot of them. Bishop was in a lot of them. The stories felt a little bit more linear. It felt like an ensemble cast more than it had mm. been for a lot of the show previously. And I don't know. I'm ex- We finally at the end and we getting it right. But I'm excited to see how it ends. Did you notice that it's because these three episodes don't have Wolverine in them? <laughs> <laughs> he was in like a flashback. A s- Flashback, right? <laughs> He's just not prominent in these. So I did um, like when they showed the um triangle between him, Gene, and Scott, though. Oh yeah, when she kissed, blew a kiss to yeah, him. She, 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 that, <laughs> she, she got down. Too. I was about to say because he got hurt easy. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> whoa! <laughs> it was like she was waiting. <laughs> Yeah, I've enjoyed these episodes a lot, too. I've really enjoyed the future episodes the most, so any of those will always be kind of high up on my end for me. Uh, the show, again, I like the animation. It's just some of the designs choices are just... Mm, I see what they were going for with Lorna's hair, you know, her signature, <laughs> half up, half down. It just was not oh, drawn not at like all. That. It's <laughs> yeah, I see that, like I said, I see what they were going for, but it just was not all the way there. Um yeah, I liked it. Check us next week where we'll be watching um, the end of these. We'll be watching episodes one, two, and three. I'm sorry, uh, 24, 25, and 26, and that'll be finishing off the series. And then we'll be also be starting off our next run. We'll be watching Justice League Unlimited. Uh, do you want to do Justice League or Justice League Unlimited? I don't know. They're both so good. They're both being pulled from HBO Max, which is wild. So we figured oh, we'd do that. Yeah. Next. yeah. So that's so depressing. DC, yeah. WB, when I catch you, it's over. Yeah. Let's go with Unlimited. It's got a bunch more. It's it's kind of in the same vein as this with the cameos, and we'll see like you know a lot of different new characters that we haven't really seen in a lot of animation. So let's start with mm-hmm. that, y'all. Um, we'll watch the first three episodes of that. So watch those, and then we'll come back and chat about those. So send in any questions or comments you have. If you've been enjoying it, let us know. Um, but let's take a break, and then we'll come right back.
All right, everyone, welcome back. Hello. It is the relaunch section, but for the relaunch, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. It is the end of the year, and therefore, we have to go through our end of the year list. Yes, it's time, y'all, to give us a recap of the year of 2020. We're going to go through and give our best of 2020. Um, so let's kick it off with our favorite writer of the year. Um, to no one's surprise, mine is Philip Kennedy Johnson, who has been writing action <laughs> comics. Um, <laughs> I just have to go ahead and give it up to him. He's definitely been my favorite for this year. Um I think he was my favorite last year too, so you know. <laughs> it's consistent. <laughs> it's whatever, you know, when you got it, you got it. And again, I have to say anybody that was able to really turn me around on Superman. Um, and like I said, not just turn me around, but like I'm in the camp. So um, you, um, you like rising the ranks, you're gonna be captain of the ship soon. I'm in there. I'm with the I'm with the super crew. <laughs> Sorry. And I used to really not go for the Kryptonians, but I see it for them now. I really like them. I already liked Superboy. Connor Kent, that is. And um, I already really liked him. Now like, I'm in there. <laughs> so yeah, my favorite writer of the year has been Philip Kennedy Johnson for sure. Okay. Very nice. Very nice. Um, my writer list, I'm not gonna lie to you, I had a tie. I just couldn't choose between the two. So I had to give it to one Jed McKay. He has been consistently writing multiple books that I find to be at the top of my list every month. And I just think it's some really great solid character work that he does. He mixes in action very well. He mixes in humor. He's consistent. Everything is good. I love him. My second one is Miss G. Willow Wilson. I think that mm-hmm. The way the Poison Ivy book just kind of came and punched through so much and like her extensions show it, there's so much. Uh, it's just good. They're my writers. I, she I, turned I, the I ship around. <laughs> she turned the ship around. You know, there was a clip I saw of Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy and Batman Returns going around Twitter. And it made me realize this was really the last time that we had ever seen Poison Ivy on her own, like outside of Harley being Harley's girlfriend. And I was like, so much of her media content now is just to be Harley's girlfriend. And shout out to uh, Wilson, because that solo has completely turned the ship around. I mean, Harley's still around, don't get me wrong, but it's just a reminder she that I was her own person and can do her own things. And it was like, we love that. Yes, that's awesome. Um, all right, switching over to the artist. And my favorite artist for the year has been Daniel Samperi. I really enjoyed a lot of what he was doing in uh, Dark Crisis, as well as he only did a few issues in the beginning of the action comics, but he also did a few covers. And I I really like his art. I love the yeah. way that the faces look. I love the proportions of everyone. They look very real. And um, yeah, I love the, the expression that everyone has is, and the powers. They always look really cool too. Um, big fan of Daniel Semperi. Shout out to him. He does really an excellent work. I will always be grateful for him doing the Aquaman Future State book because that means I got Jackson Sam Perry, and that was hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my artist, I went through a lot because I, I I liked a lot of artists this year, but honestly, I had to give it up to Javier Garon, who's been working on the picture. Mm. I, it's no secret I'm kind of an Avengers fanboy, and I've really been enjoying that book. And it's just like every single issue. He just crushes it down. He's been so consistent on the book. 
Like, there have been very few shows on artists for him, and he has just been really knocking out of the park. It's always big, it's always bold, the action, it's emotive. I love it. He's killed it. He's number one. Go off. Yes. Perfect. Uh, okay, the artist, I'm sorry, the colorist for 2022. Um, my pick has been, uh, I think it's Jesus Abortov, is how you pronounce his name. He is the colorist who does a lot of R.B. Silva's stuff, as well as he was the colorist on Juan Cabal's Fantastic Four, stuff that was on the end of the most recent run before the relaunch. And I just really like the way that his colors always feel super super <laughs> to be honest they're like very super heroic i like the brightness of it all i like the way that the colors kind of blend and like ombre together um he did some really cool stuff with like the sunrise um with um captain america and misty knight when they were like meeting up together and stuff that i thought was really cool um so yeah jesus okay. he's my pick my pick for colorist of the year who's just like knocking out of the park was david curing and he's working on Avengers with Javier Garrod. And the issue that like specifically made me get into this was, the, uh, I can't remember the specific number now, forgive me, but there was one where there was a ghost rider Ronin character, like a samurai mm. guy, and he was blue. And there was this one scene of like him in the snow and just like how it looked. It felt like I was watching a movie, just like something very cinematic. And it just like stuck out to me. It's probably actually one of my favorite comic issues of the entire year. Highly recommend people go and read Aaron's Avengers. It's been good and it's ending soon. I'm so sad about that. But Curio has been such a delight and he does good work. I remember, I think he did some of the stuff with, Actually, no, that's a lie. That was somebody else. I know who that was. Regardless, Curio's good, and he's killing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, my cover artist for the year was Lucas Wernick. Um, I thought he did a bunch of really cool stuff, some variants covers that I really liked. Absolutely love the cover he did for Photon Number 1. She looks fantastic, as well as the redesign he did for her. Um yeah, so Lucas is for sure my pick for cover artist for 2022. All right, um, so my cover artist might shock you a little bit, but it was Russell Diderman. Oh, King. Okay. <laughs> 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 uh, no, I just like what he did on X-Men Red. I think about a lot of the covers that have come out. I think there have been some really cool covers. There's some really good artists doing them, but his stuff has been like super, super, super dynamic. I think about just even again, the one that's just a basic team shot that's coming out soon for issue 10. And it's got like Storm and Frenzy and Nova and all of them. I was like, damn, this just looks good. Although, shout out to... Jeff DeCall and what he's been doing on some of those Catwoman covers. Mm. Oh, yeah. His covers are hot. Yeah. Selena be looking good on those. He was like right there. They were like neck and neck, but I just gave it to Donovan because they've just been going on a little bit longer. But they really good work from them. Yeah, I've got a few Jeff DeCall. Uh, here's some Magneto stuff that I had as backgrounds on my phone. <laughs> he's really, really good. <laughs> he's amazing. I actually met him at a con here in DC once before. They did this thing called Awesome Con, and he was there, and I got like one of his prints of Stalock. Oh, cool. That's really cool. Um, okay, best new series for 2022, and that means it debuted this year. Now, I kind of had two here, I will admit. They were kind of tied. And one is Photon, number one. Um, really, really enjoyed that. I am really excited to see Monica kind of really become her own solo superhero instead of riding in anybody's shadow or leading a team or something. Um, and the other pick was X-Men Red. 
Um, I really did mm. like some of the stuff that was going on in there. And, you know, sometimes it was a little focus was a little yeah. not all yeah. of the way there, but <laughs> so that's why it's it's a little up in the air which one of these two gets it because Photon is only one issue, whereas X Men Red now has had I think nine or ten, and uh, but yeah, those are two of my favorite new series that have debuted this year. Okay. Well, my favorite new series is 2022. So originally I was thinking about going with X-Men Red. So I agree with you there, but that whole kind of shakiness, I started thinking about some of the Iraqi stuff that happened that I didn't really care for. And I realized that kind of like dragged it down a little bit for me. Their highs were really high, but the lows were like mid. And Mm -hmm. I had to really go back and think. And again, this was another tie for me. And the two series that were the best were the two that were my writers of the year, Strange and Poison Ivy. Oh, okay, yeah. For all of the things I said, you know, I don't think I've hidden the fact that I love a character-driven story. I really like something that gets into the mind of our heroes or our villains and, like, just amplifies what their core is, why they're doing it, what they need to do. And I think these both have been really great examples of how to do that in a superhero comic medium. The art has been fantastic on both. And they're both women-led, which is like, shout out to them for truly carrying the lines of their respective companies because they're doing it and a lot of people aren't. And it's just like really dope books. I could not decide because I have loved them both. And especially just reading A Strange Issue earlier this week and then Poison Ivy not too long ago. It was just like, yeah, I can't believe both of these books are like, are coming out at the same time. How lucky am Swing I? Swinging too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to you for winning with that, because uh, they are doing the damn thing over there. I've heard nothing but great things about both of those books. Um, okay, ongoing series. Now, my, again, no surprise to anyone, my best, best ongoing series of 2022 was Action Comics. Like, it gives me everything that I need as far as superheroics, as well as just the optimism and hope that I feel like Superman should be known for. Um, you really feel it coming out of the page here, as well as just the other characters also getting some time to shine because this book is action comics um, and not just Superman. Um, everyone who's pretty much in his like tent pole, in his corner, is getting a chance to shine here. So I like that, you know. Um, all those characters. I wish Tala got to stay, but whatever, I she get the story. Be, you know, she's still my yeah. theory that she's going to be their black cousin, so. Mm. I'm, I'm with it, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's what I am right now. That's a good pick. Uh, Action Comics is consistently good. My favorite ongoing series is actually X-Men. <laughs> I, I year two is taking it for me and like the way that the book is kind of turned around and just the things that they've tied in with and the way they've done their little moments I was going back and reading some issues um, you know magic hazing Angelica her and Iceman's friendship Forge kind of being like sneaky on the team Gina Scott being the parents and taking care of Sink and Magic Sink being depressed over there Havoc not really fitting in and trying to find his place that tension and things like that I've just really enjoyed watching this team grow and build I don't know Year two's been doing it for me and like I really have loved this book and when I thought about a lot of the series that have continued there's been some great stuff but the way I love to go back and read my comics and the amount of times that I've gone back and read an X-Men issue, like after it comes out, even well, this annual doesn't 
isn't a good example. That was written by somebody else. But like <laughs> the dark web, I'll <laughs> even say that. And like that was the issue that I like went back and read multiple times. And I was just like, yeah, Dukin's really get me with this one. So we'll see how it goes for year three. I don't know if it's like just the people on the team or if this will continue might. on. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Year three will come around and we might switch it up and it might be completely different. And honestly, I've kind of even warmed up to Sink and Laura. Oh, okay. I think they work for each other. They're both kind of bland. So it's like, yeah, it clicks. That's true. But Sometimes then, and then I even went back and read the Hickman issue where it like all started and they were like trapped in the vault and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I get it. They like truly did fall in love. And it's true love. And he has been waiting this entire time. That's his girl. <laughs> so shout out to them it's working okay next up we have the best mini for 2022 and my pick this year was star wars obi-wan um mm-hmm. i really enjoyed the mini the, it started off a bit shaky because i thought oh are we just gonna be like jumping through his eras and stuff but then mm-hmm. as i read more of it i was fine with that <laughs> like, I, <didn't> like that. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be more of just his book kind of just jumping into wherever he was in his life and us seeing more of him post uh, Vader and everything, kind of like uh, <clears throat> like post episode three, kind of doing more tie-in with the show. But this actually did like jump through different eras in his life. And I liked it. It was pretty good. It was basically him like writing a memoir while we remembered and we got to see all the things that he remembered. Um, I liked it. Okay, well, shout out to that. My series of the year was sort of Azrael. Uh, Dan oh, okay. Waters, I don't know nothing about Azrael. I think I said that like when I first talked about this. I don't know nothing about Azrael. I ain't never read nothing. Well, I know he like pops up in Batman books. Mm-hmm. It's not a thing. But I've been blown away by every single issue of that book. The writing is fantastic. The art is spectacular. I'm really drawn in. Like I think if that something else comes out, I'm gonna read it. Did you ever play any of the Arkham games? I tried on one of them. I think it was the um which one had Ray Hood in it? Uh, which one did you drive the, the car? Last one. Did you drive the car? Oh, that was up? that was the last one. Arkham Arkham Knight. Knight? Yeah, yeah, that one. So I did that one and I got to like one mission where I was driving the car and it was so difficult. And so I never played it again. That's fair. They forced that car on you a lot in that uh game. I really like that one. I but like Azrael was in the second one. He was in the first or the second one. We got to like fight against him and stuff. He was in it. I ain't played him. I just played, played the, one with the really hard. I just played the one with the really hard car. And I was like, if this is what the rest of these games were given, I was like, I'm definitely never gonna. No. <laughs> <laughs> that is totally fair. Um, all right, the one shot of the year. What was your best? Oh, hands down, Blade Vampire Nation. Oh, okay. Or was it like that? Like. As soon as I read it, and there were a lot of good one shots out this year. Let me say that I was like kind of going yeah. through some of my list of comics that I had. There were some really fun things like Moon Girl and X Men had one. There was that Miss Marvel and Moon Knight, which was like almost like got the spot. Uh, I even liked the JSA stuff they tried to do for the movie characters because they had Black Cyclone and Black Hawkman, and I was like, that's hot. But <laughs> Blade, that issue, that was everything I wanted from a Blade comic from just a comic period, like the politics, the action, the mood, the tone, the setting, the story, like everything. Yes, it is it. It cleared. I know it's okay. I like that. Um, my one shot is Dark Crisis World Without a Justice League Green Lantern. And mm-hmm. this was a 
hands down one of my favorite one shots of the year. It really got to see more of like inside of John's head because this is his world uh, mm-hmm. during Dark Crisis where he was trapped in his world that uh, Pariah made for him. And of course, he was a superhero and he was the Emerald Knight. And just the way that he spoke with the other Lanterns, especially Kyle, I think they have a really cool, interesting relationship together because he was, Kyle was his successor um, mm-hmm. and they have like a fun dynamic, I think, together. Um, and just, it was cool to see John like really get to be the Emerald Knight. Um, would you rather see more stories of him with Kyle than you would with him and Hal? Oh, absolutely. I'd never need to see him and Hal together. No. <laughs> they don't even really like each other like that. <laughs> like, if I don't know if you noticed, but in this, in the beginning of Dark Crisis, when, um, uh, you may have tapped out by that, but at the, when they went to John's world and Hal was the one who went to the world and showed up there, uh, Hal was registered as like parallax. <laughs> so when, <laughs> when he showed up in John's world, the other Lancers were like, you parallax are not allowed to be here. And Hal was like, don't call me that. So of course in John's world, Hal's a bad I, guy. I think they were trying to show you that he's still kind of a bad guy. You know, I was, I'm with they, it. they cool because they work together, whatever. But I don't really need them together. I like him and Kyle together a lot more. Okay, that's fair. So yeah, that was definitely my one shot. Um, next up, we had the event of 2020. Now, both sides of the Big Two had a lot of events this year. Go ahead and tell you, I did not have a best one. Sorry. You know that <laughs> crazy. Sorry. Because Judgment did Day I... didn't serve. Oh, oh. <laughs> what happened? What happened I... to the events this year? I don't know, because last year we were swimming. You remember Hills Reborn. <laughs> yes, I remember you talking about okay. it. <laughs> that, that was the event of the year, okay? <laughs> it didn't get any better than that. This year, I just didn't really feel it. I do feel as though Judgment Day was probably the most successful event of the year in terms of, like, scope and writing and effectively, like, telling the story, but it just personally wasn't something that I enjoyed that much. Um, mm-hmm. Dark Crisis, she wasn't hitting. I'm sorry. I, th- I think I stopped reading my life issue too. I was like, I can already tell this is what I want <laughs> So that was that. And then everything else just kind of like fizzled out and the many events that a lot of stuff had. What if we start with Dark Web right now, which is like kind of fun for tie-ins, but even so it's still a thing that I don't think needs to be anything big. Yeah, Dark Web looked kind of fun or whatever, but I don't know. The events haven't really been hidden, and it seems as though the events are the only time the characters actually really do anything. So I hope the next time in 2023 we get some. Well, 2023 is looking up. We got Captain America Cold War. That's the same event. I don't care. The symbiotes are also doing something. I don't care. And they always doing something. Always. Like Venom is so popular. Venom sells, so he's always going to do something. Craziness. And then Fall of X is also coming in the summer. Mm. I don't know how I feel about that one yet. It looked like it's going to have a lot of Iron Man in it. He's coming oh, to save the day. I saw that article. I was like, are you kidding me? He's coming to save the day. Three and now he's coming over here. Now he's coming up to my house. Yeah. With Emma. <laughs> she brought him. <laughs> So, ooh, I don't know about that one, y'all. We'll have to see. 
Um, okay, the character of 2022, I'm sorry, 2022, um, that I picked that was created this year that I really enjoyed was Binary. Um, there weren't actually very many new characters for me to pick from that I was enjoying. Not so many new characters really created. Some random, you know, civilizations were brought back or like some random background characters were created, but no one really like popped this year for me. Like but I did have to, you know, what you say it again? You don't like escapade? No, I don't. <laughs> Her powers are weird. <laughs> I could do without that. <laughs> um, binary was cool. Um, again, but she doesn't really do too much. Um, she doesn't really have that much of a personality because she is so new. Um, and I really do think that she's going to like sacrifice herself soon in this Captain Marvel thing to like you keep saying that. It's like, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's been something very consistent with what you've been saying. Like you expect her to die and <laughs> like go away forever. <laughs> but yeah, I have to give it over to her. Her costume is high, okay. so Okay. Uh, my top character created this year is Weaponless Zet from Legion of X from Simon Spurrier and that crew. I think the stuff that I've read of Legion of X, it can be a little bit touch and go sometimes, but Zen has been a character that like has been super cool. I enjoy the abilities that she's talked about and how her power is different from a lot of Iraqi she fights. I've enjoyed her appearances over in X-Men Red. That's been great. Her stuff with Nightcrawler is cool. I'm into her. I like the design a lot. Some of the Iraqi got it. Not all of them, but some of them do. And I think she's one. Okay. Cool, cool. All right. And the last topic we had for this year was the rising star. Who do we see from 2022 that's going to who surprise us this year and is going to really rise next year? And this was um, not too hard for me because there are two characters that I ended up having kind of a tie for. Um, and that was Photon and Dr. Light. Yes, I love a light power, it seems. <laughs> I mean, it seems yeah. so. I guess that's something that I've learned about myself. I love a light power, but uh, Dr. Light was doing some really cool stuff in Dark Crisis, and uh, I think that she's kind of gotten a lane for herself. I've always kind of enjoyed the character, and I hope that she really gets a push. Um, and then Photon, I think, is not. it wasn't too much a surprise for me because I was already a fan of hers, but it does seem as though she's finally getting a chance to kind of shine <laughs> on her own. <laughs> and uh, I hope that it kind of continues for her in 2023. It's currently just a five-issue miniseries with her solo, but I'm hoping she gets extended. I know. Show with your coins, girl. Let's get her going. Yeah. Well, that was a good list. Those fit for you. My rising star is actually the new Iron Fist, Lynn. Oh, okay. You know, I was going through my books again to, like, create my list, and I came across the miniseries he had earlier this year and the... Judgment Day one-shot tie-in that he had. And both were really, really good. And I think once Iron Fist came out on Netflix and that whole, you know, Asian Iron Fist movement started and the way they've kind of transitioned him into this role, I think it's been really well done. And I think it's something that wants to continue and that they're going to really stick with. I think it works for him. I think Danny needed to kind of be moved out of that role. And I think the design is actually really hot for him. The two books that he did have were good. They were also going to the costume's super hot. They're like bandana and the way they tied him in with the other heroes like Shang-Chi and White Fox and kind of made them like the trinity of the Asian heroes in the Marvel Universe. I see it. I think he's going to go a lot of places. I hope they try and do something next with him. I would love for him to actually bring back that power man 
character and like let them be the new power man at Iron Fist and see how that works out for them and just get some new stuff in there. Cool guy. I see lots of potential. I think he's going to go places. He's got it. Okay, shout out to the new Iron Fist. Did he ever get those that sword removed from his hands? Or is that just part of the powers now? It's just it's the comics. Okay. (laughs) He'll eventually like make it something else so he don't gotta have a few pieces of sword stuck in his knuckles. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He'll figure something else out. Um, all right, y'all. Well, that was our list of the best of 2022. Definitely let us know what you guys think. Who are your favorites? What did you guys Mm -hmm. enjoy this year? Um, I'm super excited for next year. It seems as though, you know, it seemed like this year I let a lot of books kind of fall off my pull list because things were clicking down. Yeah. But <laughs> next year, it seems like a lot of my favorite characters and some ones that I'm actually just kind of interested in are going to be coming back around. Ghost Light is going to be coming back. I mean, not coming back, debuting in Silver Surfer. I'm super excited for that. Um, Ghost Light is the new character that they're creating out of like the cosmic energy from the super surfer i'm out don't worry about it i'm in i'm there um rogan many coming so there's some really cool things around the corner um but that brings us to the end of the show please make sure you guys rate and subscribe us wherever you get your podcasts um you can find us on twitter and instagram at another relaunch you can email us anything you would like to at another relaunch at gmail.com you can watch us on youtube at another relaunch tv um you can find me on most social media platforms at uncanny lz keenan where can i find you i know where i can where can they find you? <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at Keenan Lance on Instagram and Twitter. As always, there's Instagram at the end. All right, y'all. Let's get up out of here, and then we'll catch you next week. Peace. Peace.